Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Derek Jeter chants indeed. Welcome to a Thursday edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante, and we are fresh off uh, the media asking Derek Jeter if he enjoyed Aaron Boone and co. showing the 2022 Yankees clips of the 2004 Yankees failing to beat the Red Sox. Guess what? He didn't like it. Mariano Rivera didn't seem to like it either. Nobody likes it. Nobody likes anything that the current Yankees brain trust is doing. And yet, they're all coming back. Aaron Boone coming back. We learned that yesterday. Hal Steinbrenner says he's a very good manager and he's coming back. Aaron uh, Boone is only part of the problem. Brian Cashman, is he coming back? People seem to think he's coming back, but we don't know. We technically don't know. We're doing this podcast from a time and place where Brian Cashman is not currently back. So we're going to talk about him as if he is moving on to a different opportunity because this might be the only time we get this fantasy land opportunity to be like Brian Cashman isn't the GM of the Yankees. Because some news dropped today that was like, how Steinman is just trying not to lose leverage in his discussions with Brian Cashman. Jesus Christ. There's still leverage. Oh, yeah, I don't want Brian Cashman to get the upper hand because he knows we're bringing him back in perpetuity forever after he failed again to deliver uh, a potential postseason winner. Great. Yeah, I'm glad this is a leverage conversation and not a moving on conversation. But it's not. Uh, even though the Brewers uh, shook a perfectly competent potential Brian Cashman replacement loose from the tree earlier on Thursday. But why even have the discussion? Plus, <clears throat> some great news. No, just kidding. Not really. Uh, the San Francisco Giants are prepared to outbid everybody for Aaron Judge. How much do the Yankees need to bid in order to compete with the people who are going to outbid everybody? It's a question worth asking. Plus, I hate to break it to you, Yankee fans, but you are responsible for the team losing in the ALCS this year. I, I didn't want to tell. I'm going to let you down easy. I'm going to sit you down on a chair, cross the bed, look you in the eyes, just tell you it's not working out. Because it's not the players. It's not the management. It's not the GM. It's not the pitching. You, fans in the stands uh, who are dissatisfied with uh, – baseball you were watching last weekend it's your fault you've created a culture of toxicity uh, and that's the the real problem in uh in the bronx these days certainly nothing to do with on-field decisions and performance it's all you guys we're going to be talking about that delightful report too what a what a delightful week they were eliminated on sunday night we were like wow the yankees being eliminated is going to give us such a nice little chance to catch our breath and not get angry for like a couple of the Astros aren't even playing till Friday. This is a breath catching week, not a breath catching week. Uh, the team has done something else that has sucked each individual day of the week up until now. And we're going to talk about it all podcast long. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Drop us those five star reviews that we so covet. Uh, give us a mailbag question in the reviews. We'd be happy to answer it. And this podcast goes live. Mondays and Thursdays, 2 o'clock Eastern time, all off-season long. Uh, probably not going to be 
going live for any World Series games. That was a noble ambition when we, uh, you know, we we went live after ALCS game one, said we couldn't wait to talk to you on Monday, and uh, lo and behold, series already over. Uh, so <laughs> more live game podcast, uh, not till next year. But Thomas Carinante, welcome to the podcast. Uh, and is, seeing as it's your fault that the Yankees came up short again this year, uh, will you be holding a press conference, making a statement, and relieving yourself of your duties? <laughs> that would be a good segment for fans on Yankees Twitter. Maybe we should start doing that, influence yeah. the right people to do that. That'd be great. Um, crazy report. Um, I did see some conspiracy theories out there claiming, you know, that may have been leaked by the Yankees to make it seem like it was the fans' fault that Aaron Judge ended up leaving um, yeah. and not the organization probably uh, slapping him in the face with a BS contract offer or the fact that look at the reality of the situation. You got to pay Judge a ton of money. And then you have to make four to five impact moves to supplement the roster around him because you just had Aaron judge for six years. The closest you got to the world series was six years ago. So things did not improve over time yet. Still don't realize the problem or the root of the problem. Brian Cashman has has been making these moves, whether they're good or not there. I think there's something to be said here partially about that report, right? Um, Look, negative energy is contagious and shitty and, affects other people regardless of, you know, the context of it. Um, But uh, that is not the Yankee fans aren't around sitting around just being negative for the fun of it. They're negative when negative stuff happens. Um, And they are the most cocky, ignorant bunch when they are winning and steamrolling everybody. So it works both ways. Um, And historically, you know, you go back to Jeter's quotes, from the 2004 ALCS when the Yankees were booed, um, somebody who accepted accepted the result of a poor performance um, and the consequences that come with it. Yankees got swept in historic fashion. Yankee fans were unhappy. Yankee fans sat through how many playoff runs with this team from start to finish. They had their hearts ripped out in 2001, um, fell short in 2002, fell to the Marlins in the World Series in 2003, and then you're up 3-0 on the Red Sox, your most hated rival in the ALCS the next year, and you don't think the collapses can get any worse, and it's the worst of all time. So obviously nothing the Yankees have done since 2017, or even since 2010, I guess, if you want to date it back that far, were of anything of that magnitude. But there's also something to be said about Brian Cashman keeping his job. There's something to be said about Aaron Boone keeping his job. Brian Cashman's been here since 1998, um, his only tried and true world series team was 2009 um which featured a half a billion dollar expenditure um in order to get the right players around jeter and a rod um you look at aaron boone who has had five years to kind of get this down i don't think many other i mean i don't think i know most other managers don't get five years most other managers don't get two years they don't get after year two who'd we see uh, uh, get uh, Jace Tingler got fired after what two and a half years mm-hmm. for the Padres finishing like uh, finishing second in the manager of the year search in 2020. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Don Mattingly was first in yeah. 2020. Both of those yep. guys have since lost their jobs. Yeah. Um. So you and and that is crazy because these these theoretically these other environments. Chris Woodward, I know he was there for a little while, but the Rangers were fed up. It's uh at, after they fired him in the middle of the season. Um. There's other corners of Major League Baseball, which you wrote about earlier this year, that are less tolerant, and the Yankees don't seem to be that way. Um, You're seeing all these reports about Hal Steinbrenner largely being a hands-off manager, which is kind of paving the way for the same old, same old to persist. Um, You got Michael Kay going off on the radio waves. I think that's been great. He's had to answer for some of his uh, uh, critiques this week, which none of them are outrageous. None of them are outrageous. You had a lot of bad managerial calls in the ALCS. Um, You had a lot of wonky lineup changes. Um, And say what you want about Brian Cashman, Cash God, whether you think he's good or bad. Um, We have evidence over the last three to four years that even when he, you know, makes the right move on paper, it doesn't work out. Injuries happen. Someone regresses. Sonny Gray can't handle the spotlight. You name it. You can go down the list and figure out a million reasons why some of these moves didn't work. And that in itself, why this organization lacks the human element, you do that for six years and things just simply don't cross, you know, the the certain uh, threshold that you want it to. 
it's just not working. Just might have to figure something else out. Read the, you know, the, 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 the writings on the wall, messages in the tea leaves. How many more times can you allow the guy to try to make moves and they're not where Andrew Benintendi swings a bat and breaks his wrist. Is that Brian Cashman's fault? No, but yeah. kind of characterizes the entire, you know, the last 13 years. Does it not? It's crazy. Well, and if you're just going to say like, well, a terrible injury luck with Andrew Benintendi and Scott Efros, like Cashman can't be blamed for that. Okay. Cashman got Frankie Montas, who entered the trade deadline and had been placed on the aisle a couple of weeks before and had he Cashman was assured he was ready to contribute for the second half. Oh, I'm glad Cashman was assured of that because he showed up to New York, had to build himself back up, was terrible. People compared him to Sonny Gray. No, Sonny Gray was better. <laughs> Sonny Gray had a pretty solid start in game four of the 2017 ALCS. Sonny Gray had a high threes ERA his first August and September in New York. And then the next year completely collapsed. It was philosophical differences. Larry Rothschild was not the right pitching coach for him. But the first year of Sonny Gray, I mean, he wasn't dominant. He didn't obviously lead the Yankees to a World Series, but he was a perfectly capable addition, especially in comparison to Frankie Montas. But there's a lot of disingenuous nonsense. And obviously the crux of this is that Aaron Boone is coming back. Hal Steinbrenner said he's a good manager. I don't foresee making a change. He's kicking his sand a little bit on the Brian Cashman thing. Probably just not commenting on it yet because Boone is entering year two of a three-year contract. So if you're going to make the change with Boone, you have to say, I'm making a change because he's under contract. Cashman is not. So Hal Steinbrenner making one person safe while making us all wait around for the second one probably has more to do with the fact that uh, that Brian Cashman's not technically under contract for next year and beyond yet. Uh, He signed a five-year deal after 2017. Five-year deal. They basically gave him another era. They said... We trust you to yeah. carry the baby bombers to the finish line. And he didn't. Uh, but there's a lot of disingenuous stuff going on lately, uh, especially from Keith Law this morning, who's a longtime Yankee hater, who has notoriously been someone who is, you know, softer on the Yankee prospects and just doesn't believe in them to a different degree than the rest of the mainstream media. Where he was saying, you know, like, ah, pretty spoiled behavior from Yankee fans. Like, what, 99 wins in an ALCS berth not good enough for you? The dismissing Brian Cashman wanting a new voice both in the locker room and in the you know front office has very little to do with going out softly to the Astros this year. It has some to do with it. It was an exclamation point. But Keith Law saying, uh, you know, blaming all Yankee fan dissatisfaction on this year is disingenuous. Uh, since 2000, Brian Cashman has had the most resources to work with of any GM in baseball. He's won one World Series. That was 2009, and, and it was a team that, Again, that was the one year new stadium, massive new revenue stream. Management said, uh, you know, and George Steinbrenner was sick and en route to passing away the next summer. So management said, no restrictions, go out and get everybody you can. And he pulled off a great trade for Nick Swisher, signed A.J. Burnett, signed C.C. Sabathia, signed Mark Teixeira, won the World Series. Good job. Won the, they did win the World Series, and if not for 2009, I don't know how we'd be handling our lives right now. But... Outside of the one winter where it was legitimately splurged for everybody, do what people claim the Yankees do, buy a championship. There are people to buy, go out there and buy them. Other than that one winter, Brian Gashman has not managed to put his team in a position to compete as well as they should. That core lasted till 2012, fell apart. He spent a couple of years rebuilding that with the Baby Bombers. The manager he handpicked helped that core regress. Everybody other than Aaron Judge is not what they were supposed to be. Aaron Judge, the all-time bet on himself, figured out how to be a superstar. Uh, I don't know what Aaron Judge thinks about Aaron Boone, but everybody else, Gary Sanchez, Luis Severino couldn't stay healthy. Obviously, pitching is a tough bet anyway. Greg Bird, injured and ineffective, and they couldn't buoy this team with the moves necessary. And it's telling that the worst moves, all the worst moves of Brian Cashman's tenure are the baby bomber era. And if you precede it, it's Jacoby Ellsbury, Brian McCain, and Carlos Beltran, three moves that made no sense, trying to transform a 500 team into a contender just by adding some, uh, you know, regressing older pieces. Brian McCann was a signing I believed in, didn't work. Jacoby Ellsbury was a signing nobody believed in, unless you wanted to be overly optimistic and just be like, the Yankees always work out. Well, no, they don't. That didn't work. And uh, Carlos Beltran was in entering his final seasons, and he was the best of the three. And Masahiro Tanaka joined that year, too. Loved Masahiro Tanaka. Um, But it wasn't enough. Tanaka stuck around for the next era. Thank God. But it wasn't enough. Uh, And the point about Keith Law's thing that stuck in my cross so much was saying, 
uh, you're really going to run Cashman and Boone out of town for uh, getting eliminated in the ALS by a team that outscored them, outpitched them, and outrelieved them, and was the number one team in all these important statistics all year? I mean, yeah, because the goal is to be the number one team in all these important statistics all year. Like, what am I supposed to? What am I supposed to say to that? No, you're right. Everybody who made a team that was worse than the Astros should stay. No, Yankees are supposed to be better than the Astros. That was the point. That's been the point since 2017. They lucked into an early run. They came up just short. And at the end of 2017 on, the goal should be, how do we get better than the Houston Astros? 18, the Red Sox lapped the field, but you were still not as good as the Houston Astros. 19, Astros beat you. 20, don't even get there. 21, don't even come close. Aaron Boone says the rest of the league has closed the gap. What gap? Because we never closed the gap on the Astros. In 2022, the third Astros matchup in six years in the ALCS and the worst beat down yet. So uh, there's no shame in losing to a team that's better than you in every aspect, but there is shame in not being able to build a team that is better than your number one rival in every aspect. What about this is so hard to understand? You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Well, yeah, and forget about losing the ALCS, right? Would you have been surprised if the Yankees lost the ALCS in six or seven games? No. They they weren't the better team, and that's at that point, you're upset, right? It's like, come on, man. Like, we have, we have more resources. We have the allure. We should be able to do this. Um, it's getting swept. It's losing with your aces on the mound two games in a row at home when the crowd is begging for one moment, one moment is all they want. They want one single moment where there could just be a release, some sort of cathartic um, coming together for everybody because there hasn't really been that. You got game five of the ALDS, but that was beyond underwhelming. And if you don't win that game, that's a disaster. And once again, we'll go back to that series. Shouldn't have been there. Shouldn't have made it, shouldn't have made it that far. The Guardians, very good team, very promising up-and-coming team, primarily a team of young players who have not experienced this moment before with a budget of, what, 70, 80 million, um, and the Yankees let them off the hook time and time again, had the opportunity to step on their throat, opted not to do so. 
that falls on management, that falls on the other guys that they put in this room that don't have the mentality to do that. Um, that falls on Cashman, that falls on Boone. Um, and it's not, and look, closing the gap with the Astros has obviously been a very difficult or, or apparently an impossible task. You can't do um, it. But the issue is not losing the series against the Astros. Were you that mad in 2019? Were you calling for people's heads in 2019? No, 2019 was tough. It just sucked. I was Rolled sad. I just collapsed on yeah. the ground. I was you depressed. Just, yeah. Yeah, you just wish a role this Chapman hadn't been on the team. You wished like just one more bet. You, you wish you just you, you were that close to capturing game two in Houston. You won game one and then losing the two at home. You're like, damn it, man. And then this year, it's just like, were you even ready for it? Was anybody prepared? Was the scouting prepared? Was the coaching prepared? Were the players prepared? What what what, what was the, the roster decision-making that went into, for example, leaving Oswald Peraza off the DS and then putting him back for the CS? What was the logic in kicking IKF out for the final two elimination games in the DS and then bringing him back on for the elimination game in the CS? On, it has nothing to do – I mean, it partially has something to do with the Yankees losing – it's the manner in which they lost. It's the same old responses you get from a Hal Steinbrenner, from an Aaron Boone, um, and you know the, just the players in general. You have the reports of everybody. Sit- I know uh, uh, Brian Hoax was uh, 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 his commentary on uh, the fan was taken a bit out of context, but um, he alluded to the fact back in 2017, guys like CC Sabathia and. Brett Gardner were crying after the game seven loss. And then this time it seemed to be a befuddled reaction from all the players being like, wow, we just got our asses kicked. Um, And there's nothing wrong with that, but clearly there might be some sort of human element disconnect that we've been talking about for a while. Um, And the fact that this group of guys, regardless of the injuries, regardless of the challenges they faced um, to get swept is bad. That's that's the worst way to go out in any in any playoff series. And then once again, you rewind. We can keep rewinding. We can keep putting our finger on the one moment you had game one. This Yankees team under Aaron Boone manages for tomorrow. They do not manage for the now. They don't try to go for the jugular when they have the opportunity to do so. Do I think they would have won game one? I have no idea. Do I think that they did everything in their power to not win game one when they had the Astros up against the ropes, like the Astros should have been scoring that game. It was Jamison Tyone versus Justin Verlander. It was an exhausted Yankees team versus a well-rested Astros team. You had the opportunity to make something happen. You had the opportunity to put some more pressure on them and you bring in Clark Schmidt and you prematurely take Tyone out and you use Clark Schmidt when you should use Trevino and you use Trevino when you should have used Clark Schmidt. And it's an absolute disaster. And that's the stuff for an Astros team who loves to ride the momentum from mistakes made by the opposition, who loves to take on the criticism and all of the hate and use it as fuel. That gives them even more power to win this series, which is what they did. They obviously took the mistakes the Yankees made in game one and the the the, the two mistakes Luis Severino made in game two. And then they made a mockery of the Yankees when they made that third mistake in game three with the Harrison Bader drop fly ball. And that was the end of it. The end of it for me was game one. It set the, it set an awful tone for the series. It set the tone that the Yankees were once again, kind of like why we got mad about Cashman's Montgomery, uh, Montgomery Bader trade, which ended up working out. So props to Cashman. But at that point in the season, the Yankees are being this arrogant. They're looking already ahead to the ALCS when they have nothing solved for the near future. They have a comfy lead in the division, but it's clearly being withered away. It's evident that they need starting pitching to get them through the rest of the way. And you're making a move for an injured player who's maybe going to push you over the hump in two and a half months. It's just crazy thinking. It's completely misplaced. And that's the part that's upsetting because it's the same old, same old decision-making. It's the same old, same old quotes every offseason, and there's nothing being done to amend it. And there's nothing, no Yankee fan is spoiled, because what's the difference between the Yankees holding their organization accountable and Royals fans rioting for Dayton Moore's ousting? Dayton Moore won that organization a World Series with drafting, scouting, and shrewd free agency moves when he had very limited resources to work with. And four years later, Astros fa- uh, uh, Royals fans want him gone. There is no difference here. The Yankees fans are not spoiled for wanting results. They are upset because 
this is supposedly the organization with the most resources or second most resources or now maybe third most resources. And um, there's a standard to be had when your fans are paying the most money to go to games, um, when they're, they are in the epicenter of, you know, the sports market as a whole. Um, and that's, those are just the stakes. I'm sorry. The stakes are elevated here. And if it's upsetting for other people to hear, but that's, that's just what the reality is. So it has nothing to do with being spoiled. The, the era of being spoiled is gone. It's 20 plus years ago. Nobody's living in the past at this point. Everyone's living in the few, in the present, wondering why we're not even close to even a fraction of what this team accomplished in the late nineties and early two thousands. And Red Sox fans, you can add them too. Furious at ownership that's delivered uh, a, a curse-breaking World Series and three other titles, and now it's like, oh, they care too much about Liverpool. Oh, it's we need to change ownership. Like it's not just a Yankee thing. It's not the Yankees just complaining about Hal Steinbrenner because Yankee fans love to complain and are allergic to success. Also, what is it? Right? Is it? Uh, you know, you everybody says twenty-seven rings. Oh, wah wah. Like. They say, you know, Yankee fans are bragging about 27 rings, something I haven't heard pretty much ever. It's been at least 13 <laughs> years since I've heard anybody say that. But everybody's like, oh, Yankee fans won't shut up about 27 rings. And then when Yankee fans are like, we haven't won rings in a while, everyone's like, you have seven. Why are you complaining? Like, so what is it? Are we supposed to be proud of our history or not? There was all sorts of gatekeeping nonsense this week that was like a viral tweet that was like, if you weren't alive for the championships, you don't get to claim the championships. No, I mean, anyone can claim whatever they want to. I'm a fan <laughs> of the New York Yankees because I was raised on their history. I had family saying I was alive in X year. I didn't have to be alive in X year to know about it. It all helped determine uh, the, the fandom that I have. But, you know, what is it? Are Yankee fans uniquely spoiled or are Yankee fans, uh, you know, too brazen about the titles that they won decades ago? I'm not sure. But I, I will say that, like you said, Dayton Moore brings KC a, a title after an eternal drought, goes to two straight World Series, and then three or four years later, he's the stupidest executive who ever lived. The Red Sox ownership gets Boston four titles with three different GMs, while the Patriots, Celtics, and Bruins are all delivering titles for the city as well. Then they take one off year after an ALCS appearance, and it's Heim Bloom, heads must roll, get rid of ownership, they care too much about Liverpool. As if Red Sox fans haven't already seen the pattern a million times of last place, second place, title. Back to last place, title again. Like, this has already happened to you, and it hasn't stopped you from complaining. But apparently Yankee fans are the only fans that demand excellence. And everybody knows that this regular season was excellent. No one is claiming that 99 wins is not enough. No one's like, 109 wins are bust get me to 112 or we riot. It's not about regular season wins. This was a no. fine regular season, despite the fact that they took the foot off the gas pedal in August, which I will get to in a second, but it's the postseason. It's another team not built for the postseason. The postseason is random. So how Steinbrenner is thrilled, thrilled that the Yankees made it to the ALCS, got him some more gate receipts and uh, wish he could have had an extra home game in the ALCS. That would have been the ideal for him if they had, would have lost in five or six. But they got him two. They got him that uh, extra day of gate receipts with the rain out in uh, the DS in game five where all yeah. fans were left without an explanation, three wet hours in the ballpark, no word from the team or anybody. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, thanks for buying all that beer and stuff. You guys got to go. Um, <laughs> but the arrogance on display – this season, you're right. The Harrison Bader trade was all about preparing for October, right? And Harrison yeah. Bader delivered in October. Not a judgment on Harrison Bader. But it was just one move in a swirl of them that was predicated on, we don't need these wins in August. And we don't really need these wins in September. We have a big enough lead to make it to the playoffs, and the playoffs are all that matter. Well, they did have a big enough lead to make it to the playoffs. They almost blew it all in August and early September, trying their hardest not to care, you know, giving people uh, appearances, you know, just trying people out in different roles, waiting around for Harrison Bader to get back. Frankie Montas is hurt. We've got Clark Schmidt starting games. We're tossing games away late. We're making odd bullpen decisions. We're giving DJ LeMahieu the chance to play through an injury he clearly can't play through for several weeks. We give Anthony Rizzo an epidural that gives him brain issues and knocks him out for a long time. Luis Severino's on the 60-day IL, even though he doesn't need to be. All of these moves are preparing for an October that they get to when they look just as disappointing as ever. They do the same thing they always do. I was told that 
taking the focus off August would put the focus back on October. Did it? What did it do other than take some wins off the board in the regular season uh, and stop the team from humming on all cylinders? I also think the Aaron Judge home run chase threw him off. But, you know, that's not his fault. He's not getting pitches to hit. He gets in October. He's out of rhythm. But what did all that preparedness in August actually do? Because it certainly didn't make them more of a juggernaut come October. They snuck past the Guardians and got swept by the Astros in one of the worst offensive postseason runs ever in MLB history, judging by batting average. They did not hit in either series. They hit a couple more home runs than the Guardians, got really lucky, survived Aaron Boone, putting Clark Schmidt into a tie game late. Then they did not show up in the ALCS, and Aaron Boone made catastrophic errors in game one and three. Because they treated it, they treated the ALCS the way mentally cope with the fact that we were worried about the Astros. They manage like they are fans trying to temper expectations. Game one, you enter that area and go, I don't think we have a great shot at winning game one. Verlander, Tyone, I mean, I'd be happy with a split in Houston. That's what you say to yourself as a fan to feel an inevitable loss. And that's what the Yankees said as their game plan. They're in the middle of a 1-1 game, and they're like, well, let's just keep using Clark Schmidt because if we go home with a split, we'll be okay. No, win games. Win the games you're in. Win the games you can win. And that brings us to Yankee fans being blamed for the bad ALCS. Again, there's toxicity that cannot last. The toxicity online, people messaging Isaiah kiner his dad, 16-year-old saying your son's been shot dead in the Bronx. That is disgusting. Stop that. That's also not unique to the Yankees fan base. Astros fans putting 9-11 jokes in the comments of every Yankees Twitter thread. Yankees having a look at that too. There's disgusting toxicity online in modern fandom that has to stop. It doesn't help anybody. If it chases anybody off the Yankees, that would surprise me. But it doesn't help anybody. What we're hearing is that booze for Aaron Judge and Josh Donaldson those two things were equated for some reason. The MVP to be 62 homer hitter getting booed by some drunkards in the stands. Yeah, that is understandably kind of frustrating and upsetting. Booing Josh Donaldson. That guy is that guy sucks. That guy brings nothing to the table. That guy is stares at a first ball, strike three down the middle, and got embroiled in a racially fueled controversy this year. Booing Josh Donaldson is like the most reasonable thing to ever. But, but these are people who were in the stands for in the house for game five of the DS were jerked around for hours. We're just told, uh, Brian Cashman called them consumers too. He said, we don't want to do this to our consumers. Fans. <laughs> the, the word is fans, Brian. Uh, but these people have to sit through the rain. They're given no update. They're sent home. They're told you can't get a refund. Your tickets are only good for game five. That happens tomorrow at four o'clock. People have jobs. Kids are in school. Not everyone can get there by four o'clock. Kudos to the Yankee fans for having the crowd they did at that game five. That situation was horribly mismanaged. Then you pay through the nose to get to ALCS game three. No show, complete no show. Uh, Aaron Boone, mistake in the middle there, pulling Garrett Cole and putting Lou Trevino in with the season on the line. And then game four, uh, we see panic move, IKF at short. We see all of this nonsense, and the Yankees go down meekly. I don't know how you can uh, – what, what I don't understand is when it doesn't get through – outside media's brains whether it's new york local or national just like how could they boo aaron judge how could frustrated fans groan in the stands I mean, it has nothing to do with aaron judge yankee fans and aaron judge have an extremely special relationship and you guys know that you've watched the way yankee fans interact yeah. with aaron judge they chant mvp they play catch with him in right field like you have to be so disingenuous to be like the yankee fans relationship with aaron judge is toxic and disgusting no, but at the same time, angry and dissatisfied fans are going to boo. And I don't know how people don't understand that yet. There are people nationally who are genuinely like, I can't believe fans would boo. They would never do that in insert city. Yes, they would. Yes, they would. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer.
If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Of course they would, and you look... I'm not saying boo Aaron Judge, but you go back to the 2019 ALCS, he's batting 168 in the playoffs. I mean, this is the guy who's supposed to be carrying your team. And um, once again, the Yankees didn't properly build at, or, or weren't, didn't have, didn't either didn't properly build or weren't properly set up depth wise to absorb some of these injuries that affected the roster and forced Aaron Judge to carry the offense, which he did the entire regular season. Sadly, the regular season only gets you so many accolades and so much recognition. Um, sadly, in New York, it's the postseason that matters more than anything. Also, in many other big market teams, go to Dodgers Twitter right now. Do me a favor. Have have some fucking fun. Go to Dodgers Twitter for an hour and tell me who's toxic and tell and you know tell me what the difference is. Tell me tell me any stark differences you see between these fan bases. Um, in regard to the frustration, you have a Dodgers team that has more resources than the Yankees. They have an ownership group who throws money at just about everybody. They have a consensus top three farm system every single year. Um, and they're more disappointing than the Yankees in the postseason, if you ask me. It's really hard to win titles, right? It's very but hard. The Astros of this era have one, maybe about to get their second. The Dodgers of this era should have more than one. They have one. The Yankees of this era have zero. Yeah, I mean, totally correct. Um, but there's no and you, there's no difference between, especially in big market teams. That's where all the frustration lies. The small market teams who kind of know know where they stand. That's you're not hearing the booze from there. It doesn't cost anything to go to a game. Your expectations are pretty much tepid going into the year. Oh, we could maybe do this. Oh, you know what? Could be fun. Could go on a run. That'd be cool. There's no expectation, so there's no. There's no brewing frustration as a result. And you want to talk about kind of the expectations that come with the Yankee standard. It kind of screws things up because if you're not prepared and you don't put the pieces in place to get the job done, then it's an eternal disappointment. Um, And you want to discuss Aaron Judge's free agency. We got a report that says the Giants won't be outbid for Aaron Judge. Do I believe that? I don't know. It's, um, it's from Randy Miller who blocked me and who everybody in the Yankees locker room hates yeah. and who has been going on KNBR this week, the Giants local San Francisco radio network to say, yeah, I think you can start fitting Aaron Judge for the black and gold. I mean, if there's one person who has fallen out of favor in the Yankees locker room more than Randy Miller, I'd yeah. love to meet him. But that said, I mean, we all know the Giants are going to pursue Aaron Judge. So, of course, the problem here, though, is if you're Aaron Judge, the boos are not going to factor into Aaron Judge leaving this team, okay? Um, if that does, then we're talking about a historic situation that we'll save words for when the time comes because we're not going to even assume anything or draw any conclusions from an Andy Martino report. Um, I think the players might have been upset about that. I don't think that that's 
that's the cherry on top of Aaron Judge leaving. But what could the cherry on top of Aaron Judge leaving be? It's the fact that he's watched this team fall short. He's watched his teammates in times fail to pick him up. Um, he's watched Brian Cashman not make the proper additions in the offseason, in the trade deadline. He's watched Hal Steinbrenner enforce a luxury tax threshold to avoid the Yankees from getting as good as they could. Look at last year. They didn't want to go over the certain threshold, so you gamble on Corey Kluber. Didn't work. You gamble on Jay, Jay Bruce was on this team opening day 2021. Started an opening starter. You gambled on Jay Bruce. That failed. You went at the trade deadline and you went for Joey Gallo, despite reportedly various people in Brian Cashman's ear to not do that. Did it anyway. Was one of the most toxic moves the organization could have made because of the performance that 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 followed. Um, And then you have to trade him again to make it all come full circle and be as toxic as it could possibly be. So if you're Aaron Judge and I believe Aaron Judge wants to win, I firmly believe that. Could I be wrong? Absolutely. Um, I, I think it's a combination of things with Aaron judge. He wants what he's deserved, which he deserves. And he wants to win, which I think he should. He's a competitor. He knows he understands the stakes. He's talked very, um, uh, glowingly about a future Yankees world series victory. So, you know, that it's in his mind, you know, that he's picturing it happening and you know, it's an eventual goal of his, but if you're Aaron judge and there's the possibility of if the Yankees don't offer you the most money, what do they have to offer you? They have to offer you an aging core with a hesitancy to um, amend mistakes. If Brian Cashman and the Yankees were amenable to the various errors that the front office and ownership has made, that's a different story, but they're not. They sit there and they wait to see all these things through um, and it reaches a boiling point and you have a situation with Joey Gallo. You have a situation with Aaron Hicks. Um, you have a situation with Sonny Gray. Um you have more injury issues with DJ LeMahieu. I know it's not their fault, but you don't have a suit. You know, you don't have any suitable, you know, solutions beyond that. You let Josh Donaldson play all year, despite being one of the worst offensive players in least consistent, worst offensive players in baseball for the caliber that you're supposed to be getting from him. So you see the managerial changes, not being proactive to um, make up for deficiencies. You see the front office treading as lightly as they possibly can when it comes to making upgrades um, or supplementing a strong product. And if you're Aaron Judge, I don't know how you don't sit there and you're like, well, does this team want to win or does this team just want to operate like a business? You know, you look at the – someone posted this great clip. I forgot who it was. They posted the contrasting – and I'm not, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a George Steinbrenner guy. I'm not like, oh, if George was running Yankees, it would be different. Partially it would be different. Yeah, there might be a lot of turnover and there might be a lot more turmoil. Did you ever – you guys ever realize that? Because George Steinbrenner was – Kind of a wacky, wacky do for we you know, only we years. won the World Series because he was banned for baseball and exactly. was allowed to build the core four, core five. Yeah. You count Bernie, but I mean, yep. I, there's some George that I do miss. Is exactly, and you look at the contrasting video. Someone posted a video of how it was like well, let, we, you know, we we didn't leave any stone left unturned, but it's excuse after excuse. Oh, the lockout set us back. Oh, but that didn't mean we weren't doing what we have to do. Oh, you know, we're working with w- within what we can work with. Oh, okay, and then it's George Steinbrenner who's like, I hate losing. I will do whatever it takes to win. If I lose, I put a foot through my TV. I am a Yankees fan. I sit here and I embody the passion of these fans and I have the same uh, reactions they do. So when we win, I am out of my mind excited. When we lose, I don't know what to do with myself. So you have an owner who's operating now from the business side of things um, who clearly doesn't, you know, he went on Zoom to blame the players last year for the slow start. Um, did I necessarily disagree with him? No. Do I think that's something an owner needs to do? Absolutely not. Um, but you know, if he's going to blame the players, that's great. He's got to take some accountability for the restraints the Yankees have put on themselves for the various mistakes. He's watched the GM that he's employed now for an extra 13 years make over the course of that time that has held this team back. Um, and those are the differences right there. I think if you have a passive owner, which I seemingly, believe Hal Steinbrenner to be, especially based on the more and more reports that you see come out, I think that affects what's happening. Um, and that's going to affect the morale with the team. Everything trickles down. It's always from the top down. You see with NFL ownership, it's why NBA ownership, various oustings left and right, because you have toxic people in this position. I'm not saying Hal Steinbrenner is toxic. I'm just saying he, I think he's a little bit apathetic and is more. Ooh, it'd be nice yeah. if he were toxic though. Fingers would... crossed. <laughs> <Or if he's> <laughs> <toxic>. <laughs> well, let's see. We got some questions. Let's hear it. 
Well, I just do want to alert, like, th- this just spoke to me, like, can they sign Xander to play third and trade Turner? Those guys have beaten the Astros in series before. Of course they do. Both would be great additions to the Yankees. I think Xander Bogarts would be perfect. Yeah. Here's the, what's stuck in my craw, though. Everybody but us has beaten the Astros in series before, basically. <laughs> it's us and the Dodgers. 2018, the Red Sox dismantled them. They won the ALCS in five. They won three straight in Houston. Imagine, imagine that in Houston, we find that impossible. Oh, but the 2018 Astros, you know, that wasn't the best that they've ever been. You know, 103 and 59. That was a great Astros team. And the Red Sox went right over them. 2019, the Nationals beat them. The Astros were 107 and 55 that year. 2020, the Rays beat them. That was a bad Astros team. And they were coming back from bad Astros team. I mean, it was actually the genesis of the current. It was the genesis of the current Astros team. They had Christian Javier and Framber in the postseason. Everybody was like, who are these guys? Because nobody had heard of them, but they took the they went down 3-0 to the Rays, came back, forced game seven, lost game seven. But 2021, you know, a pretty bad Astros team with, with limited pitching in comparison. Uh, remember all the chatter last year is that the Red Sox were going to beat the Astros because the Astros had no pitching. Uh, then the Astros turned that series around, lost the World Series to the Braves. The Braves. So the Braves, the Red Sox, the Nationals, under 90 win Nationals, under 90 win Braves. These teams have all beaten the Astros. So, like, it it's only impossible for us. There's only one crack at it. Yeah. Yankees see them during the regular season. NL teams usually typically do not. Yankees have seen them four times in the playoffs since 2015. And are yeah, for 15, they lost the wild card game. Yeah. We got blown out by Colby Rasmus and Dallas Geigel. And then, yeah, we lost three straight CS to them. But every other team the Astros run into during the course of this, you know, mini non-World Series winning dynasty seems to be able to unlock the secret. The, the 2018 Red Sox just pummeling the Astros in the CS is just going to haunt me forever. It was so e- They just ran them over. It was so easy. And when, when a team beats a team you can't beat, it's like, it unlocks it for you. It's like, oh, the Astros are relying on Tony Kemp. Oh, this isn't that hard. That guy's not <laughs> that good. We can't do it. No. And you look at the Red Sox last year. They, I know they lost the LCS. They won two games. They took a 2-1 lead. Yankees couldn't even dream of doing that. Yankees no, have I mean, never that was did- a Red Sox choke job. Imagine getting to the point of having a choke job against the Astros and the yeah. LCS. Incredible. I mean, there's uh, look, this is going to be lingering stuff. So, <laughs> Andy Martino trying to get our hopes up now, saying that there's no decision made. Just because Boone's decision was made via Hal doesn't mean Cashman's future is set in stone. Okay, dude. Hmm. So they're going to keep the manager, oust the GM, hire a new GM to oust the manager. Is that how usually the order of operation goes? Again, an owner who – either an owner who doesn't understand what's going on or a report that's here to just incense us further. Martino basically saying like, well, the Cashman thing isn't set in stone yet, but if Hal hears one more fan boo, he's going to bring him back. <laughs> it's, it's what, you know, we'll be, we'll be sitting here talking about the same things all uh, throughout the off season. Um, we're going to have a lot to discuss about the roster reconstruction that's to come. Um, but right now we have Boone coming back. That's a reality. If you're mad about that, I'm sorry. That was probably always going to be the case. He's one year into a three year deal. Um, you could blame the Yankees for that. Uh, you can blame the Yankees for all the decision-making because that's what this comes down to. Um, you can blame Aaron Boone you want. Aaron Boone did not give himself a second chance at this. The Yankees did. Um, you can blame the players all you want. The front office assembled this team, didn't acquire enough depth, didn't spend the money when they should have, maybe gone a little bit over, you know, bit the bullet, and then, you know, hopefully had hoped for uh, better results when when they actually got to the postseason and, ha- and were able to have the mismatches that they needed. Um, so it's frustrating stuff. I wouldn't get twisted up in it. This is kind of always what was going to happen. I'm not saying be complacent with it, but this is the reality. Got to get creative now, figure out other ways that we can um, get better for next year. But first order is getting Judge back. And I think that creates a lot more questions um, than answers because you bring him back, you're spending a ton of money to do it. Your payroll's already in a perilous situation. So if the Yankees are going to operate on a budget again, you're not going to see more high-impact moves after Aaron Judge if he comes back. So then you're essentially running back. You're not even running back the 2022 team because guys are going to be gone. 
you're losing part of the rotation. You're losing part of the bullpen. You're losing part of the lineup. And there's all there's there has to be supplementation everywhere. So unless the Yankees hope their prospects are going to do the job or younger up and coming guys are going to do the job. I don't know where we think next year is going to be any different. I think it's going to be worse. And that's the reality you have to cope for. Um, and that's, you know, be upset about it all you want. Um, keep sounding off in the comments, keep hitting up our articles, talking there, you know, we're getting inspiration from people talking and giving us ideas, um, especially arguing about, you know, the first and second presidency of the United States. That's always a, it's always a good argument to have in the Yankees comment section. Yeah. I was Um, having a good time there. Um, (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Brian asking if if Yankees don't resign judge, where's the money go? I mean, I don't know. Is there, it it truly, they're going to stay out of the higher end shortstop market. They're not going to spend all of that judge money. Right, they're going to no, bring back a Benintendi type. Not. They're going to bring back a Benintendi type. They're going to move Oswaldo Cabrera to the outfield full time, and Oswaldo Cabrera is going to be like, "I'm an infielder." They're like, "Well, sorry, this is what you're doing now." Um, I saw somebody say they should sell high on Harrison Bader too. No, no, but I mean, they're not going to play around. In the, they're not going to play in the Degrom market. They're not going to play in the Colorado Redon market. Nope. They're not going to play in the shortstop market. So what else is there? Not much. You wait around the Yankees Twitter waiting around for Rafael Devers next year is the most embarrassing. It's so embarrassing, guys. Not gonna happen. Are you kidding me? The Red Sox are extending him. Don't don't like operate under the guise that a Red Sox superstar is gonna hit free agency in a year and a half. That should not be the way you go through life. Don't make long-term plans that rely on a money-making organization making bold financial commitments to players who aren't available yet. Stop. Uh, where does the money go? I think they pocket some of it. They sign a Benintendi type, maybe sign Nathan Eovaldi, one more starter, and get worse. <laughs> and then if they use the judge money to sign judge, they're not going to do anything else. So it's the same roster as last year. Probably trade kind of Falefa, probably trade Glaber Torres, move the super prospects in. Hope that helps. Maybe it does. Frankie Montas is like your four or five starter. Maybe it helps, but they're not making any reasonable upgrades beyond judge. And if they don't spend the judge money, I don't think they're going all out because then there's no more ticking clock. Yeah. Then there's a whole new era. It's, yeah. you know, Dominguez, Volpe, Peraza. Yeah. I mean, uh, Jimbo in the comments saying the Chapman Britain money coming off the books too. Yeah. But where are they, if they're not going to spend it on the shortstop market, what are they going to use it on? Yeah. And you're stuck with Hicks. You're stuck with DJ's contract as much as we love DJ. He's not healthy. He hasn't been able to play for almost two years now, you know, for, for, I'd say a year and a half. He hasn't been healthy. Um, you're stuck with Stanton's deal. It, you're not getting rid of that. Cool. Um, the Aaron, cool. the Aaron judge money goes to a raise for Josh Donaldson or goes to making Josh Donaldson's yeah, contract. You're stuck more with Josh Donaldson's contract. No one's taking Josh Donaldson for 21, $22 million next year. Um, so they have a lot of you, you look at Chapman and Britain coming off the books and you're like, that's great. But um, there's a lot of money stuck here. There's uh, arbitration raises that are going to be happening as well. That's making up for the difference. Um, and the Yankees are still about 200 million guaranteed on payroll next year. Factor in a judge contract that's maybe 235, 240, and then what? That leaves you 20 more million before you hit the threshold. Before Hal poops his pants that he has to pay an extra 500 thousand dollars to the Pittsburgh Pirates because um, he because he went over the because he went over one of the thresholds like. If he's not going over 260, then this team is worse. Worst team. What am I going to do? Sign Edwin Diaz? People are saying that's what the New York Post said. Sign Justin Verlander. Yeah, sure thing, boss. Let me get that handled. Like, we've been on sign just like they should have traded for Justin Verlander five years ago. But this yep. offseason, it was clear he wanted to go to the Astros. That's what Ben Verlander said. Yanks would have had to bad. pay him an awful lot. Yanks could have paid him Josh Donaldson's money. They could have paid him 25 mil annually if they yep. really wanted to, but it was obvious he wanted to be an Astro and the Astros wanted him. What this off season is going to opt out of his Astros contract. Then suddenly go to the Yankees. That's what you think is going to happen. The Yankees should spend $80 million on a closer who Mets fans called Ed Luz Diaz three years ago. Cause he, he's definitely going to be this dominant forever. Right. After the yeah. best, he's going to do the best season of his career again. Right. Like, this free agency period does not inspire me. There's a lot of nice, fun things they can do around an Aaron Judge type. Benintendi, Nimmo in left, Jock in left, to split time with Oswaldo. I'm having fun, but the big yeah. money moves that could replace Aaron Judge, they're just not going to do any of those. And there's nothing that good out there. 
No. Right? There's I mean, nothing I would that... take Xander Bogarts. I would take Xander Bogarts to play third. Yeah, I mean, is he going to want to play third? He didn't want to make the position switch for the Red Sox. Why is he going to want to make it anywhere else? Unless we're paying again, unless you're paying him so much money, which is the only reason players come to the Yankees anymore, that it's mo- it's a moot point. Oh, great, forty million. Yeah, cool, thirty five million dollars a year. Yeah, sure. What do you want me to do? I'll I'll be the water boy. Um, and you, and you look at the pitching market. Who is it? It's Jacob Degrom, who makes now you know over the last few years ten starts a year. You think 40, the Yankees forty million bucks for ten starts yeah, a year? I think the Yankees are going to do a forty AV million you know dollar deal, forty million AV deal for somebody who can't stay on the field. You have Carlos Rodon, who I love, but that's a shorter term move more than anything. And if the Yankees aren't built for the short term, then why are they going to pay a guy a ton of money for the short term? Um, kind of the same argument as Degrom. Plus, Rodon has an injury history, and the last year and a half has been his only healthy seasons to date. Um, nothing else is sexy here. You have a bunch of, you know, you have the shortstop market, but the Yankees are holding strong with Peraza and Volpe, which I don't think is the dumbest idea, but also it looks bad because if you're not spending there, then you got to spend somewhere else or you got to trade to get something. And they're not really doing any of that. It's, it's again, it's, it's calculated aggression to the point where they're only willing to go so far. And then they're like, okay, well, we're stopping here and this is the limit. And it's like, you can't view it through that lens because if you're leaving yourself up to limitations, um, you're, you're, you're hamstringing yourself. And again, another argument about this is a six to $7 billion team should not be hamstringing themselves, especially when it comes to finances. If the Yankees have a shitty scouting director and they can't draft well and they haven't developed prospects, well, it's a completely different story. And that happened for a time. The Yankees had what? No prospects from what were the years? What was it like 2006 until 2017? It was like David Robertson was the only homegrown guy. I I would love to give you the Yankees first round pick history because up until recently, it's just been like an unbelievable group of guys. Yeah. And so that's a different story. If you're hamstringing yourself because of whatever, either way, those are changes that can be made. You fire those people and you pay other people to come in. Do, do you want the Yankees first round picks between Jeter and I mean, honestly, you can go up to Garrett Cole before you find another person who matters and they didn't even sign Garrett Cole. Sure. It's basically between Jeter and 92 and judge in 2013, like, which is, which is real. And of course, yeah, David Robertson, Brett Gardner. And there are some names who impacted the Yankees in here, but you, uh, I know the Yankees pick at the end of the first round during most of these years, you have to do better than this. Jeter in 92, Matt Drews in 93, Brian Buchanan in 94, Shea Morenz, I've never heard of him in 95, Eric Milton, who they traded for Chuck Knobloch in 96, like a one-time all-star, and he's one of the best guys here. Uh, Tyrell Godwin in 97, Ryan Bradley also in 97, Andy Brown in 98, Mark Pryor didn't sign him in 98. David Walling, a righty in 99, David Parrish, a catcher in 2000, John Ford Griffin in 01, same with Bronson Sardinia and John Skaggs. No pick in 02. Eric Duncan in 03. Phil Hughes in 2004. The best of the bunch. Jeffrey Marquez and Jonathan Poderson in 2004. CJ Henry at pick number 17 in 05. Ian Kennedy and Jabba in 06. Say what you will. Andrew Brackman in 07. Cole in 08. Jeremy Bleich in 08. Slade Heathcott in 09. Cito Culver, 2010, Dante Bichette Jr., the wrong son, wrong kid died in 2011. Ty Hensley in 2012, who was an interesting pitcher who I believe got the shit beat out of him by some local kids because he had a big signing bonus. Uh, That's sad, but uh, still the pick did not work out. Then Eric Jagailo traded to the Reds in their oldest deal, Aaron Judge and Ian Clark in 2013. Clark Schmidt, Anthony Volpe, Austin Wells, Trey Sweeney since then. Fingers crossed, but fingers crossed. 20 full years of the top pick in your draft being either roster fodder or nothing. Yeah. And once again, you look at the Yankees front office, it's all the same people from the last 20 plus years. Um, nothing's changed. I don't know. Someone, Michael K said he spent a billion. When has he spent it? Who, how, how have you spent a billion dollars on analytics? I'd like to know that, but um, even if you do, you've employed the 
strong analytics people. If analytics you're being are great. This analytics team is terrible. Whoever that's, yeah, they are. exactly. Yeah, analytics. You need analytics. You get that's how you get. Oh, that's that's how that's how you get ahead. That's how you plan for worst case scenarios. That's how you plan for injuries. That's how you plan for unexpected occurrences. And time and time again, it's all just wrong. Um, yeah, that's, no that's position Dave Gettleman right. shit. That's Dave Gettleman shit in the draft room. Like that's yeah. come on. Like obviously, yeah, Brett Gardner, Dylan Batansis. Um, David Robertson, occasionally you unearth a gem or whatnot, but you can't miss on 20 years of first round picks. Phil Hughes, it can't be your best. No, <laughs> Eric Duncan, like, what do you come on, guys? Yeah, problems run deep, changes aren't made, and this is what you're gonna get. And get look, you know what? I guess at the end of the day, you're we're blessed to finish top two in the AL, top four in the AL for one, two, three out of the last six years. Um, sure, you're right, but also the standards are a little bit different. Um, one time you'd like to be at least the best in the league out of 15 teams. I don't think that that's crazy. Um, and you'd like to just appear in the World Series, which is pretty much not even that big of an ask for a team that's been to so many CSs, has won so many divisions and whatnot. You look back to 2012, this team's won two divisions. One was this year in 2013. I believe that if they make the playoffs next year and don't make the World Series, that'll set a record for most consecutive playoff appearances where that has happened without a World Series appearance. I'm sure we'll see another crazy fucking stat because you go on whenever the Yankees are playing and there's something crazier. This year, it was the worst playoff. It was the worst batting in a playoff in an entire playoffs in 60 years. Um uh, there was something else about the strikeouts, the most strikeouts in two games of a CS ever. I think this I, is the I, most straight CS lost that team's been to. They're tied with the 90s Braves, I think. Yeah. Um, but even so, I mean, the 90s Braves went to the 99 World Series, then didn't in 2001, 02, 03, 04, 05. Uh, the Braves division title streak was snapped. They never made it back to the World Series. So we're competing with like the most famous failed dynasties now. That's the point we're at. It's a sad, it's sad stuff. But we shouldn't be upset because we were the second best team in the AL this yeah. year, according to Keith Law. But that's awesome. Yep. You should just be happy about that. Yeah. Playoffs are a crapshoot, but they keep shooting crap at other cities and fan bases. Firing crap at me. The, the Phillies got crap shot at them, and now they're in the World Series. The Yankees uh, can't trip into the same run. Phillies nope. are better built for October. You know why? Dave DeBrow's just built better. Again and again and again in every single city. Brian Cashman can't do it in New York, which is one city, which should be easier with more resources than Dave Dombrowski. That's it. That was That's it. it. That's it. That's it. We'll be back on Monday. That's it for another episode of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. Hey, we're going to be talking about the same stuff on Monday. They're probably going to announce Cashman back tomorrow or Monday. We'll have to talk about it. Uh, very frustrating uh, end of the season. Very frustrating start to the offseason. And always more interesting stuff to come uh until next time you can find us on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify wherever you get your pods as soon as the live stream is done live stream will be on youtube on thursdays thomas carinante and i will always be here breaking it down for you you can find me on twitter at adam weinrib thomas carinante where can the people find you at Tommy's underscore takes. I uh, want to thank the fans today. A lot of activity in the chat. Brian, Stevie, um, oh, Mike yeah. Luciano, Tommy C's cat. Apparently my cat. I don't uh, have a cat. Is that guy still here? Because like t- you don't have a cat, right? Yeah, I don't have a cat. I have a So dog. that's, is that just a, an unrelated guy? Or is, I mean, I wish guy. Tommy C's cat were still here because that is freaking me out. I want to we, had, <laughs> we had first last called the Yankees, the Yankees awoke franchise. Okay. Opposite yeah, woke, I should have probably addressed that. I don't think we're, I don't think wokeness is our problem, but no. whatever, whatever helps. Uh, and Jimbo activity today. We love it. Um, head on over to yanksgoyard.com. Plenty of content there for you. Thank you for the visitors and the commenters. We're loving the conversations over there. Uh, talk to us on the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account as well, at Yanks Go Yard FS. Um, we're here. We're going to be here all offseason. It's going to be a long one. It's going to start getting cold. We're going to start really getting wacky. Um, you know, the, the seasonal depression will kick in. We'll start saying weird stuff. Um, and you'll hopefully be there to see it and say some more weird stuff. So 
We'll see you next on Monday. Enjoy your weekend. Have some fun. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, everybody. Spookiest season of all, black and orange, San Francisco Giants colors. So we'll see you on Monday. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.